Ronananian. You can see the transition. You can see if this was the 1890s into the 1910s, you're seeing the blacksmith go away and, and, and shoeing the horse going away and, and the automobile coming into its own. I got a beat little jacket. The majority of the electronic power steerings are under recall by General Motors. 2005 Malibu, classic example, the car the wife drives. Now, General Motors extended the warranty on those 10 years, 150,000 miles. Well, now it's out of warranty, so I guess when it breaks, I'll have to fix it. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, come on in. Sit down. Ron Naney and the Car Doctor at your service at 855-560-9900. More information about this radio show if you're looking for it, cardoctorshow.com. Soon to have an icon, a little link, as soon as Tom Ray gets around to it, which he promises me be any day now, to allow you to purchase Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor t-shirts out on eBay. We had to based on demand because uh, far too many questions and far too many people saying, hey, I just want to buy one. You asked for it, you got it. Get out to eBay and look up your Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor t-shirt and uh, buy one, buy often. It's kind of like voting for your favorite Republican. There's more information also about this radio show at TuneIn, iHeart, and iTunes.com. You can also email me during the week, ron at cardoctorshow.com. But if you want to get in and talk to me today, it's 855-560-9900, the 24-7 number that we've had for so many years now. And we're looking forward to talking to each and every one of you. It was a different kind of repair week at the shop this week. And it was kind of a, a tough week. You know, just a lot of mental anguish, maybe, is the thought process. Just a lot of, why am I doing this? You know, you're getting beat up a lot. And it was one of those weeks or reminded me of that movie, The Replacements. Remember the movie, The Replacements, with Keanu Reeves? And and um, they, they were in the locker room, and the coach and Gene Hackman asked them, you know, so what is it that scares you? And. They were talking about spiders and bugs and things on the field, and then finally Keanu Reeves goes, um, quicksand. And they said, why quicksand? And he said, because you're you're playing and, you know, you, you make a move and, you, you know, you think that's the right move, and then one thing goes wrong and then another and then another, and it's like being in quicksand. No matter what you do, you're just getting swallowed up alive. It was that kind of a week at the shop, and while – it wasn't that we were making wrong moves. The moves weren't cooperating, is how I prefer to look at it. Just things beyond our control, ordering new parts that didn't work, ordering things that didn't show up, ordering two of and four showed up, requiring two to be sent back, and the ensuing confusion and paperwork that that created, or ordering two and one showed up, and where's the other part? And um, Ordering something and nothing showed up. And it was just, you know, like, why? What is going on here? Of course, I realize that in case any, and in case anybody wants to know, you know, it's a blue moon this weekend, um, which a blue moon by definition means that there will be four full moons in a quarter or a season versus three. So it's a blue moon this weekend. So once in a blue moon, that's where the expression comes from. 
But it was just, you know, and I needed to find my footing. And, you know, some people meditate when they get lost and some people want to, you know, ohm. And I needed to do that. I needed to regain my balance. Did I tell you about the Ranger, my little shop truck? You know, I mean, gee, I think I've been talking about the Ranger as long as I've been on radio almost. It's it's a 1997 Ford Ranger. It's got 208,000-plus miles on it, 210,000-plus miles on it, something like that. And I don't know why, but lately it's kind of there's, – there's a, there's a bug on my backside that I just want to just make it look less like a shop truck and more like an everyday truck. You know, fix it up a little bit, maybe so it doesn't look like the beater. And it doesn't need much. It just needs a couple of odds and ends. One of the things I don't like about it is the steering wheel. The steering wheel is leather wrapped, and that's what they did in '97. It was a, it was a glue-on leather wrap that, as it gets older, it you can rotate it and you can feel it, and eh, it just it feels cheesy. I needed to fix something this week. I needed to start something, and finish something without any aggravation, without any interruptions. It was just that kind of a week, just like you probably had. I had purchased from a company called Wheelskins out in California. And it's a, After looking for steering wheels, and everybody is, is delusional, they want $250 for a 22-year-old steering wheel. That I just said, no, let's, there's got to be another way. And this company called Wheelskins has a, has a nice leather outer covering that you can stitch on. You've just got to be brave enough to want to try and become a seamstress overnight. And I watched the video, and I said, gee, I can do that. That doesn't look that hard. And I've just got to find a quiet moment to do it because they, they tell you that, you know, you need 60 minutes to do this. You need 60 uninterrupted minutes is what the video said. And I kind of like that. And I like to be uninterrupted. I don't care how hard the job is. Just leave me alone. I want to I want to be in the job. I want to be in the moment. I want to be there and present at that stage. Wednesday night. I stayed. I said, you know, I'm, I'm almost through the week. I'm halfway through. I'm better than halfway through. It's Wednesday night. I want to try this. So it had been sitting on my desk for about three weeks since we got it, and I pulled the Ranger in, closed the front gate, locked the front door, left one door open for air, and sat down, turned off the radio, and started to stitch the steering wheel. It wasn't bad. And I've got to say, it, it came out pretty good. I was I was surprised. You know, they have you start it where you, you thread the eye of the needle and then you pull it through the holes and you, you go around and around. And you've got to watch that you maintain the angle of the thread and the spacing of the thread so it looks like a stitch, like a machine did it. And then when you get to the spokes, you have to stop. You know, you can't run it through the spokes. So you have to run it tight around the spoke, come in the hole in the back and then the front and then come around and then come around and then skip a couple and then go back to being in the back and the back and then around the main part of the wheel where the hand grip is. Took me almost an hour and 15 minutes by my count. But I've got to tell you, for my first job, for the first time doing it, it really came out well. I'm kind of proud of what I did. It it, it gave me that sense of accomplishment. It gave me that connection back to, yeah, this is why I fix cars. This is what I like about fixing cars. That it, it gives me that sense, just like when I was a kid, when I was 17 years old, taking something apart for the first time, not understanding how it worked, and taking it apart a second time, a third time, a tenth time, until I understood it. That's what's missing in cars today. You know, it's so 
I think one of the problems with auto repair today is it's so unrewarding. You you walk up to the car and it's like fixing a computer. You download software, you hit a couple of buttons, you play with the mouse, enter this, buy a subscription, flash, you know, the neurons, protons, and electrons all kind of flow in the same direction, and zip, the car is fixed. You don't have to turn any wrenches. There was no hand connection. There was no, oh, look, this is how you can do it wrong. Let me back up and do it right. And that's what's missing, I think, from motor repair today. That's my sense of it. And I realized it, and I lose track of this from time to time, and that's my fault. I'm human. I make mistakes. You know, that's why that's why God put erasers on pencils, because I'll make a mistake now and again. But it was really kind of nice that as I sat and did this, you know, it was very grounding. It was very in the moment. See, the bottom line is auto repair is a great field, and it's changing, and it's going to continue to change. And it's It's really very exciting to see where it's going. Like all of the technology, where is it taking us? And I'm really talking about this a lot lately because it's on the forefront of my mind, and I think it's on the forefront of your mind. You're concerned about it as well. Because while I look at it and say, can this technology be repaired, you look at it and say, what's it going to cost me? And that in of itself is a real hard question to answer. I've got an email in front of me we're going to talk about it a little bit later on. He's our our guy out on the street is from Steve Cook in Cincinnati, Ohio. We talked to Steve, oh, three, four, half a dozen times over the past year and a half. And Steve's an instructor out there in Cincinnati and had some comments about what the car companies are trying to do. And I'm going to use it this hour or next hour. I'm not sure where, but it's it sort of reminded me about my experience, you know, sewing the steering wheel cover on, about how that was grounding and what Steve talks about is anything but. And that's really what auto repair is about grounding and the positive effect it can have on the mechanic. And that's important whether you realize it or not because that helps them do a better job and that helps them keep their job. And the more people we have employed, well, I don't have to lay out that roadmap for you, do I? 855-560-9900. I am Ron Annie in the car. By the way, besides our Facebook T-shirt giveaway this hour, we're also going to be giving away a Wix diecast car, another example of the folks at Wix, the uh, 39 Ford Hot Rod that we've done from time to time over the past couple of years. We're going to be giving away another one of those. Uh, maybe we'll do it. I don't know. We'll just wait and see. Fast Harry, as always, is the judge, and uh, we'll see what Harry um, you know, decides. So be nice to Harry when you call in at 855-560-9900. And if you want to see an example of what this 39 Ford Hot Rod looks like, you can find it at WixFilters.com. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor, and I'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron Annie and the Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900. Car Doctor's 24-7 number. Call, leave a message if we're not on the air, 855-560-9900. And Fast Harry, our executive producer, will call you back and put you in the lineup for the following live broadcast, which occurs Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. But if you're 
and the sound of my voice. I guess, how can I say that? But right now we're live on the air, but you might be podcasting this from so many sources. But take it from me. Pick up the phone and try dialing 855-560-9900. And if we're here, we'll pick up. Uh, this comes to us from the boys over at Goitus Capital, and I thank them for sending me this, this uh, information. I like, I like Eddie and the gang over there. They're keeping me abreast of what's going on. From the perspective of how financial things are affecting the automotive industry and the country, U.S. orders up to 40 million more. 40 million more Takata airbag recalls. This this was early part of May. That's why I want to get it on the air and talk about it a little bit. Takata Corporation has been ordered to replace as many as 40 million additional airbags linked to deadly malfunctions, more than doubling what was already the biggest auto recall in U.S. history and putting more pressure on the troubled parts maker whose stock has plunged. The NHTSA announced the recall Wednesday after a week of leaks and a week of discussions with the company. The action will include all airbag inflators that don't have a desiccant to reduce moisture, a factor, a factor thought to contribute to misfires that spray bits of metal into the passenger compartment. This issue is urgent, said Mark Rosekind, an HTSA administrator. The science clearly shows these inflators can be more dangerous over time. And here's the part. Here's the killer part. The move is in addition to 28, almost 29 million inflators Takata had a previous recall, affecting vehicles 12 different manufacturers, including Honda, Toyota, Chrysler, and with up new recalls, up to 69 million inflators will be because 17 manufacturers are now covered, including Tesla, Jaguar, Land Rover, and Fisker Automotive, Inc. At least 10 deaths have been linked to the devices. You know, you've got to look at these recalls and think, what are they doing not only to the stocks of the company, but to the image of the industry? We can't, all of a sudden, we can't make an airbag, a product that's been out there the better part of 20 to 25 years? What changed? Where do we lose our way? You know, I understand when they can't stamp out fenders of 55 Chevys because there's four different compound curves in the front of one. In case you didn't know that, there is. And it took them the longest time to learn how to make the tool in the dying. They lost that ability from 50 years ago. But to not be able to make an airbag, I just don't get it. But if you're driving one, be aware, Takata probably wants you and wants you in to keep you safe. Hey, let's go over to the phones and talk to Frank Congers in New York. Frank, welcome back, sir. How can I help you today? How you doing, my friend? Good. What's doing, going on? Friend? Very good. Good. Day. good day. Very good. What's going on? You know, let's get back to, I was talking to you last week, I believe, about the same thing with these cars changing and stuff. But also taking into account what's going to happen to your, your local mechanic you use. Now, I talked to my father-in-law, and he put his car up there, and it just so happened that that mechanic didn't have that certain kind of equipment to find out the fault in the car. So he had, now he has to go out and buy this piece of equipment. Right. So if they keep on changing, the course is going to hit the mechanic, and it flows down to the customer, correct? Correct. And, and, here's the, and here's the bigger problem, all right? And just, you know, from my view of the world, and by no means am I saying that this is everywhere, all right? From my, right. From right. my seat where I am in the shop, right now, what I'm hearing, the average Chrysler Jeep dealer is backed up three to four weeks for service and warranty repairs. Now, why, why, why why is that significant? Here's why. Out of all the car companies, Chrysler is one of the most expensive for an independent repair shop to purchase that dealer level capable tool, the things that you need to, to repair cars today, to do programming and cloning and reflashing and so on. So when you look at it, for example, it's $3,500 for the tool. And then each additional year to have the subscription for the software is another $1,500 on top of that. There you go. There you go. You, you might have, like you say, what they're just in, in my terms, I've got the tool, 
but now it's outdated. Now I have to update it like a GPS. Right. So it, it, it's coming. It's coming yeah. down to where an independent repair shop will have no choice but to specialize in particular makes and models. But but here's the here's the kickback that that'll hurt the manufacturers that they realize but they're ignoring. Frank, do you have a mechanic? Excuse me? Do you have a mechanic? Yes, I do. Okay. When you want to buy a new car, do you go talk to him and say, "Hey, I'm I'm thinking of buying X, Y, and Z. What's a good car out of the, those three? Do you have that conversation with him?" I have it once in a while. But okay. you know what cars are looking good. I, bet- uh, I also work for the entity in the county here where there are mechanics where I work. They right. work on the equipment, too. And what? I talk to them sometimes about cars, and they're always talking about it. So uh, on and off. So not, I, not now. I got a son in college, so I'm going to wait a little while. Well, but my but my point. I understand that. But my my point is that with with the specialization and the technical requirements, I bet you're going to be more concerned if the mechanic you're going to can work on that car, and you're more likely to have that conversation now than you were, say, five years ago. That's a good point. It's an excellent point. If if yeah, if I can't, point. as a business owner, make the justification to purchase that expensive scan tool, I'm not going to. So when Frank comes to me and says, right. hey, Ron, I'm thinking of buying a Toyota, a Ford, or a Jeep. Frank, you know what? I've got dealer-level tool for Toyota. I've got dealer-level tool for Honda. Jeep, it's so expensive, right. I'm staying away from it right now. But you pick what you want. Just understand, I can't be your mechanic anymore. Now what's Frank going to decide correct. to buy? I hear what you're saying. The, the, the expense is like... Um, the trucks come rolling in, you know, to the, see the mechanics. They park in the middle, and the mechanics go in the truck, uh, uh, whatever school truck comes in, and they're walking out with this equipment that they need to work on these vehicles. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've had some new vehicles, um, pick up, uh, pickup trucks, uh, that are just out of control. Yep. And you got to put the, the jet the gen up fluid in there. you got to put the, uh, you know, your diesel fuel. Uh, fuel. And oh if, sure, if you and, don't and run it or clear out the engine, it shuts down on you. Well, and here's the real kicker, Frank. Here's what I want to see. So, in a couple of years, as the specialization trend continues, and the ability for the Snap-on or the Mac Tool guy to sell it to you grows diminished, what's going to happen to their capacity to make a living and to provide for their families? It makes the economic circle grow that much tighter. Frank, I appreciate the call. I'm Ron Anini, the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the Indian the Car Doctor rolling along at 855-560-9900. Just a quick reminder, if you're looking for your very own Car Doctor t-shirt and you don't have time or the ability to get out to Facebook, you can get out to eBay and search Ron and Indian the Car Doctor or Ron and Indian or Car Doctor t-shirt or some combination of the words thereof, and that will bring you to the eBay uh, listing where we have listed Car Doctor t-shirts available for sale. Just saying, because we received so many emails in the last month or so that we decided to give you what you want. You've got the ability to buy them now, so uh, we thank you for that and the continued support, and um, we'll do some things with that money and give it back to you in the way of more information about your car, and that's what this radio show is all about and has been and will continue to be uh, for time going forward as long as we continue to do it. Let's get over and talk to Yosef, Wichita, Kansas, and some questions about a 2001 Ford Windstar. Yes, sir. How can I help? Hello, Ron. How's it going? Good. What's going on? Well, I have a 2001 Ford Windstar, 
Um, I did a code search on it, and it seems to be running lean. Okay, so you have you have 171, 174 fault codes. I believe so. I don't have the codes in front of me. Okay, what is the check engine light is on, Yosef? Right, and it's Yosef, correct? They've got this spelled right. Yes, sir. Okay, um, it's 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 check engine light is on. Yes. Any drivability issues in the way the car runs? No. Okay. So you've got a you've got a P zero one seven one and a P zero one seven four. How long has this light been on? How long has it been doing this? Uh, about since we bought it. How long is that? Uh, about a year ago. Okay. And has anybody tried to repair it? Uh, we just wanted some guidance where to go. Okay. What, to how to repair it. Yeah, that's fine. No, that's fine. What do you do for a living, Joseph? I am a janitor. All right. Um, uh, did you ever play with cars as a kid? Yes. Okay. Um, work on carburetors? Uh, not carburetors, but I know fuel injection. Okay. Um, carburetors were just basically a mixing valve. All right? It was, it was a mechanical mixing valve, pre-injection. So uh, on a carburetor, a balanced fuel mixture was 14.7 to 1, 14.7 parts of air to um, or one air to one part of fuel, all right. Okay. If it if you close the choke flap and cut off the air, it might drop to twelve to one and ten to one and eight to one and so on. If you created an additional vacuum leak, you would lean it out fifteen to one, sixteen to one, seventeen to one, and so forth. Okay. okay? So that being said, uh, you know fourteen point seven to one is a balanced air fuel mixture. Okay. Fuel command on fuel injection is really no different, all right? Right. Did, did, did you ever stop to think about your fuel-injected car when it's cold? You know, how does it know to turn on the electric choke, so to speak? Do you have a lawnmower or a snowblower? Yes. When you want to start it cold, what, what do you do? You pull out the choke, right? Correct. Choke choke cuts off the air, air it limits the air supply. So it provides a in sense it enriches the fuel mixture. Okay. All right. And the reason an engine needs a richer mixture real quick is because the molecules of fuel tend to cling together and they're globular instead of being atomized and spraying. So that being said, we need we need a rich mixture cold. We want a a, a balanced mixture when it's warm. So how does a fuel injected car rich in the mixture? Do you know? Not really. Well, it looks at coolant temp. Okay. All right. So think of the front door to your house. If you want to let in a little bit of air, but not too much, it's the middle of winter, you want some cold air to balance off the, the hot and the cold, you, right. op- you maybe open the front door for 10 seconds. All okay. right. And then your wife says, nah, it's too cold in here. Close the door. Only do it for five seconds every half hour. So th- then you start doing it for five seconds every half hour. And then your kids say, right. "Not nah, Dad, it's still not right. Open it up, and now you start leaving it open for 15 seconds every half hour. You're varying the amount of time that front door is open and the length of time that cold air can come in to balance out the heat. You with me? Yes. Onboard computers do the same thing with fuel injectors. It's called, okay. pu- it's called pulse width, which is the amount of time the injector opens and sprays fuel. It happens in... My, in, in, in bits of a second, microseconds, 
or nanoseconds, just, you know, boop, 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 boop. all right, in, in the length right. of this conversation, the injector might have opened 100, 150 times, all right? Right. Um, it's measured in milliseconds, okay? Okay. So that being said, it, it, it chokes the engine or enriches the mixture by looking at coolant temp sensor and deciding how long and how far, or I'm sorry, how long to hold that door open. Okay. All right, not how, how far, all right? It only opens for a certain distance, um, but it's how long that distance, you know, how long is that injector open to let fuel spray out atomized? Okay. That, that being said, the computer sort of knows what it's doing, right? It's got a map. It's, right. it's, it's, got right. a, it's got a roadmap. It's got programming. It's following it. It's saying, hey, when it's 140 degrees, we want to be open this long. When it's 150 degrees, we want to be open this long, and so on until it gets to operating temperature, and then it, it runs a, a, a response feedback. It looks at oxygen sensor. It looks at load. It looks at a bunch of other factors and decides how to open the door. With me? Right. Okay. So that being said, you're setting a lean fuel code because the mapping or the road map of how to run that engine is being disrupted. You know, the electronic limits of how far the computer can add fuel or how much it can compensate for, it's reached its electronic limit. It's no longer able to adjust. Okay. All right, because everything has, a, everything has an adjustment. All right, right. It's, like, it's, it's like the volume on the radio. You can It's an electronic device. You can only turn it up so high, and then that's it. Yep. All right, it only goes to that distance. That's the confines of its electronic adjustment. So that being said, we've got to know what our current fuel trim is. Does your scan tool give you the ability to read uh, fuel trim? No, sir, it doesn't. No data stream at all? No. Okay. Um, if you had a scan tool that could read fuel trim, you would, in, in, in a perfect world, there's long-term and short-term fuel trim, long-term being history, short-term being what's happening right now, this second, this moment. All right? Okay. We really only care about short-term for the purposes of this conversation. All right? Okay. If we were looking at short-term fuel trim, we're going to see where is it. Is it zero? Is it plus five? Is it plus ten? Is it minus five? Is it minus ten? Typically, short-term fuel trim will vary from zero. We want it to be zero plus or minus 10%. Maybe, okay. in, maybe in some cases it'll hit 15%. That doesn't bother me. Now maybe I'll go over and look at long-term fuel trim, and I'll see something along the lines of long-term is a little more critical. I want long-term to be zero plus or minus 10%, and that's it. When I start seeing long-term creeping up to 15%, 20%, 25%, that means the electronic needle has moved to the positive, meaning it's constantly adding fuel. Positive means it's adding, like the sign. It's an addition sign. Okay. And, I, and I'm adding fuel to it. All right? All if, right. If, if I'm adding fuel and I've got a high long-term fuel trim and a high short-term fuel trim, I've got a lean condition. Okay. My educated guess is, and then I'm going to go look. Is it is it, a, is it a lean condition at idle, which is indicative of a vacuum leak? Is it a lean condition at cruise, which could be a mass airflow sensor under reporting? There's a couple of factors to consider. What I well, what I'd like you to do, and you know, thanks for letting me come out with this long-winded explanation. But there's a, I'm, there's a point here. If you if you look at freeze frame, which is the okay. ability, if a scan tool has the ability for freeze frame, that's the video snapshot of when that fault code occurred. It will show you 
what engine temperature was, what load was, what fuel trim was. It'll give you a video snapshot of, hey, here's how the engine was running when the problem occurred. Okay. I'd be willing to bet that this fuel trim problem happens typically between 155 and 170 degrees. Okay. All right? And if that's the case, I'm going to tell you that it's probably, what's very common with these, is the intake plenum seals. The upper okay. intake, the upper intake, the O-rings have a habit of crushing out. There's a bulletin from Ford, 0316-1, that talks about updated parts in a different procedure. And there's actually, there was at one point an eight-year, 80,000-mile warranty, but you're past that. It's a 2001. Um, there's actually a PCM reflash also for this vehicle to help control when and how this particular fault code occurs. Get your hands on that bulletin. Let the mechanic look at it. Don't be surprised if he tells you, hey, you need intake manifold O-rings. Not a, not an uncommon failure. And then maybe for Father's Day, someone can grab you a scan tool with fuel trim on it, and uh, that might just help you understand a little bit more. You can do a little bit of your own diagnosing. Good luck to you, Yosef. If you need any help, send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron Nini and the Car Doctor. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. We are at that point in the show. Anthony, are you ready? Yes, I am. How are you doing? Good, babe. How are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Um, by the way, you know, this is this is the weekend of giveaways. Besides this Car Doctor t-shirt we're about to give away from a Facebook question, we're also giving away a Wix Diecast 39 Ford Hot Rod. So uh, we're going to do that next hour, I think, at this point. We might give away Tony, too. No, we can't do that. I'd miss Tony. Thank you. <laughs> I'm I'd, touched. I'd, I'd miss Tony. But um, if the listeners want more information about that Wix Hot Rod, they can get out to WixFilters.com and look at the die-cast model. Um, one of the only die-cast models of the 39 Ford uh, Hot Rod uh, in production right now. So anyway, what do you got for me um, about Facebook this week, Tony? Um, it's from a gentleman named Ed Smith. He okay. says, Ron, I'm thinking of buying a Triumph TR4A next year. I have a source of parts. Um, from from Moss Motors. Okay. Your thoughts on buying an old car like that? I always like them. It won't be a daily driver. Maybe three to four days a week. I'm retired, so I really don't need to go long distances. Any advice you can give me would be greatly appreciated. Well, let me tell you, Ed, and for everybody else out there. First of all, you're buying a a '65 to '67 Triumph TR4. You probably can't go long distances. That's the first problem because of what it is. Lucas is the heart of those cars. You know who Lucas is, right? Not only is he the Prince of Darkness, but he also makes the electrical systems for these cars, which is the number one reason why the British get used to drinking warm beer, because Lucas makes refrigerators, too, and they don't work. So, And that, that's a true fact. Great cars, fun cars, all right, provided, A, you have, as you point out, a good source for parts, which you obviously need, but you also need somebody to understand how those parts go together and somebody that has the patience and the time to put them together and make those cars work. They are a little bit of a unique type of vehicle to work on. And I would dare say, while they're mechanically simple, they can be technically challenging in certain areas, just like today's modern cars. 
And the fact is that you really desperately need a good qualified mechanic that can work on quote-unquote older cars, or perhaps this is something you're going to do yourself. Do I think you should not buy it? Absolutely not, Ed. You know what? Uh, there's, there's you only go around once in life, and I think uh, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter. You know, we're all going to go someday. You know, it's it's going is inevitable. Living is part of the process, and I, I think it's really important that you get this out of your system and enjoy it and have some fun with it. So yeah, go out and buy one, buy the nicest one you can afford. Talk to the guys at Moss Motors. Do they know anybody in your area in your part of the country that can work on the car? And be prepared to you know there's going to be some challenges, but it's worth it. And that's what makes owning a car like this a great big pile of fun. And while I may kid about it, I also know that everybody needs a hot rod, whether it's a 65 Triumph, whether it's a 55 Chevy, whether it's a 72 KZ900 Kawasaki, whatever it is, everybody needs something to float their boat. And that's what helps them get up in the morning and get through the day. By all means, get a look at this Triumph and buy it. Ed, I want to say thank you for the question. I want to remind everybody else, like Ed, if you got a question for The Car Doctor, get out to The Car Doctor Facebook page, Ron Anani and The Car Doctor. Ask a question out there. If we pick your question and answer it up here on air in this segment of the show, we will be sending you, and Ed, will be sending you a Car Doctor t-shirt. Ed, by the way, send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com with, you know, name, address, shirt size, that kind of thing. And uh, we'll be get the, getting that out to you the early part of the week. And um, if you want to take advantage of this, by all means, Put that question up on Facebook, or if you want, get over to eBay, and you can just buy your own Car Doctor T-shirt if you can't wait, like it seems so many of you just can't anymore. Um, and we appreciate that support. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anani in the Car Doctor, and I'm back right after this. Welcome back. We're on Indian the Car Doctor. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Keep in mind that is the Car Doctor's 24-7 number. You can call, leave a message, and Fast Harry, our executive producer, if we're not live on the air, we're Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time is when the show originates. Harry will call you back and put you in the lineup for the following week. That's number one. Number two, just want to remind you, you're, we're, when we're getting a lot of emails over this, but yeah, we are selling T-shirts out on eBay. You can get out and uh, get out to ebay.com, obviously, and go look for Ronananian or the Car Doctor or Car Doctor T-shirt, and uh, you can pick up your own Car Doctor T out there. We've made that available for you. And a lot of you have been writing in lately asking about brakes. And I understand why brakes are obviously a big concern. Uh, you know, the, the the old joke used to be, what's stopping you? And it was um, uh, on a T-shirt, you would see, what's stopping you uh, from having good brakes? And uh, the other side of the T-shirt said Ray Bestis, um, in the sense that Ray Bestis was, you know, the manufacturer of that T-shirt. And they were talking about stopping power is just so important. And I, I turned to them once again. I saw the T-shirt out there, and I turned to them once again, and it made me uh, think of them this week. Um, when there was an announcement from them, the folks over at Ray Bestis have now come out with an enhanced brake pad. And since you asked me so many questions about it, I would just sort of touch off and make you aware that they've actually found a way to come out with something called an Element 3 brake pad, which combines both ceramic and semi-metallic attributes all together in one pad. You can read more about it 
at raybestus.com or just Google search Raybestus. It'll bring you to the website at raybestus.com. It's also got an Element 3 uh, website, too, where they talk specifically about the brake pad. But in any event, where did this hour go? I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor reminding you the mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.